0: Hey, if you got your Bibles with you, could you turn over to uh, the Book of Acts, Acts chapter six? Can I get a little more volume on my microphone just for my for my voice this morning? Acts chapter six, and we're going to start there. Now, if you've been here on Sunday mornings, we've been preaching about redig the wells. All right, three people. All right, uh, let's try that one more time. So, uh, on Sunday mornings, we've been preaching about redig the wells. You guys been getting anything out of that you 've been receiving something from that, and uh, just a short version of it. redig the wells we 're not going to go all the way back and explain that again. You can get online, listen to the podcast. but redig the wells we 're talking about redigging those foundations in our life uh, that really is in the Word of God from the beginning of time, but early from the time of the earliest believers till now they 've been practicing these things they 've been living these things they 've been believing these things and these are things that have been tried and true things that former generations generations fought for to believe in uh we're redigging those wells as a church as people as families and some of those things we talked about we talked about faith faith is a well that we should always redig again faith we're always going to be faith people and we're going to be a faith church and we're going to believe God we're faith people and uh We talked about the Holy Spirit. We're always going to be Holy Spirit people. That's a well. The the power of the Holy Spirit being Spirit-filled. We're a Spirit-filled church. That's a well. Uh, We talked last week about healing and deliverance. That's another well that we never need to let go dry, that healing and deliverance is God's will for us, and it's true today just like it was thousands of years ago at the beginning of the church. It's God's will that we are healed and delivered. So that's just a few of the wells that we talked about. And so uh, we're going to share two more today, and they're going to be a little bit different than the other ones, but they are wells that, since the time of the early believers to now, they have practiced these things, they've lived these things, and these are wells of life and a blessing and refreshing for us. How many know the wells is where the power is, the life is, the refreshing is? That's where the good stuff is. Where there's the well, there's life. And so that's what we're going to redig again today. So Acts 6, let's start there in verse 1, and we're going to start here. It says, now in those days, now a little context, in Acts 6, that's still the early church, still the beginning days of the church. So this is pretty much 2,000 years ago from now. Um, It says that now in those days, the early church, when the number of the disciples were being multiplied, how many know that's a good problem to have? That's what our church is going to run into in the future. All right, There arose a complaint, hopefully not that because we'll send them to Brother Sean and make him earn this truck. There arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because there were widows that were being neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Verse 3, Therefore, brethren, seek out from you... Uh, Among you, seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. In verse four, this is a key verse today. It says, but we will give ourselves. Everybody say ourselves. ourselves. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Let's leave this up there. We will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So today we're going to talk about two more wells, and it's going to be prayer and the word of God. Prayer and the word of God. Now we see here in this passage that it talks about, in the early days of the church, this is a couple thousand years ago, like I said. In the early days of the church, there was, the church was growing, the church was thriving. But they said that we're going to maintain one thing, or actually two things, and they're going to be the focus of the health of our church. And those two things are going to be the prayer of the saints and the word of God. And we see even in before this in the earlier part of the book of Acts, the first few chapters, it talks about when the church gathered together, they prayed and they got into the word of God together. They prayed and things changed. They prayed and things happened. They would come together and meet and read the scriptures together and meditate together and think about the scriptures together. And someone would preach the scriptures. And so the word and prayer have been well since the beginning of this thing. And these wells need to be maintained in our life as a church. It should always be a priority that prayer and the word of God is always happening as a church, but in your personal life. And that's more what I'm talking about today is your personal life and your personal well prayer and the word of God needs to be the main things in your life. Because let's be honest today, your main connection with God comes through prayer and the word. It's amazing people that I see and I talk to that say, I don't hear God. And I say, do you ever pray? No. Do you ever read your Bible? No. I can't help you. Yeah. Then I tell them, just, just pray. Just read one verse. Just open your Bible and just point. Read it. See what happens. Next week, yeah, uh, I don't really hear God, Pastor. Do you ever pray? No. Do you ever read your Bible? No. Well, guess what? He's probably not going to speak to you then. Because the main ways that God speaks to us and helps us and changes us and we grow in our relationship with him is prayer and the word of God. You cannot separate those things from your spiritual life and your spiritual health. You will not be a spiritually strong person without prayer And the word of God, there's no such thing because those are the most vital things in your life to connect to God, to grow in your relationship with God, to be strong spiritually is prayer and the word of God. And so we're going to talk about these two wells, prayer and the word of God, and not just in a church setting, like I said, in your personal life. That's what I'm talking about today, prayer and the word of God in your personal life. Now, before we go any further, I already know when I say prayer and the word of God in a church setting, now I've been in church 32 years, so I've heard this my whole entire life. There's a collective, eh. There's a collective, oh, God. Pray and read the Bible. I've heard this since I was little. Okay, I get it. Pray and read the Bible. Now, I understand why some people feel that way, and we're going to talk about that later, why some people, they have a bad attitude about praying the word because they've heard it so much. But I'm going to explain it in a little bit better way today that hopefully you will get interested in it and understand what I'm saying. But can we be honest? A lot of times it's because we don't know what we're doing. With prayer and the word of God, that's why we don't get anything out of it. That's why we don't want to do it. Even though we know it's good for us, kind of like exercise. If you don't know what you're doing when you're exercising, even though you know it's good for you, eventually you're going to stop doing it because you're not really seeing the results you want to see because you don't know how to do it the right way. Even though you know it's good for you. Same way with eating right. We don't eat right because we don't know what to do a lot of times. So if you don't know what to do, you're not seeing the results, you're going to say, forget it. I'm going to get five guys and just call today. Because you need somebody to come and explain it to you and help you through it. And a lot of times in church, all we say is pray and read the Bible and we give you no explanation. And let's be honest, myself included, we can't just figure this out on our own. We need somebody to teach us and help us. Okay, well, how do you pray? How do you read the Bible? How do you get results? Because I know these two things are good for me. How many would say, we know that's good for you? We know it's good for us. We know it would help us. But then we don't do it. And then the times we do spend time with God and prayer and the word, We don't enjoy it because we don't know what we're doing. Uh, Am I going to be the only one honest here? Okay. All right. So we're going to get into this today because I, I don't want people to have that attitude the rest of their life, especially, I know not all of you have grown up in church, but a lot of you have. And since you've heard it from a young age, you kind of just tune it out at this point. When somebody says, read the Bible and pray, you're like, yeah, I got it. Yeah, Okay. Tell me something I don't know. Read the Bible and pray. Okay, I I, I know. But that's the worst attitude to have. And God can't help you when your attitude stinks like that. And so hopefully today we're going to change our attitudes and our thoughts towards prayer, towards the Word of God, because we got to realize these are wells of life and blessing and refreshing and power. And if you do this daily... If you do this weekly, if you make this a priority in your life, it will change your life. It will change your relationship with God. It will grow your relationship with God. It will change how you see your life. And how many know if you put him first, everything else in your life will get better. will grow. will change. That's our problem. We try to grow in every other area, but the main area. And if you got that right, every other area would improve. It's kind of a scripture. It says, seek first the kingdom, seek first him, and all of these things will be added unto you. All right, this is not on my notes, but you guys are just pulling it out of me this morning. So the two wells we're going to talk about today is prayer and the word. Prayer and the word. It's very important. And as some would call these spiritual disciplines, there's a lot of spiritual disciplines that people Uh, can do that are in the Bible, that are things that we should be doing ongoingly as believers in Jesus, like communion is a spiritual discipline. Um, Fasting is a spiritual discipline. We see uh, other things like taking a day of rest or a Sabbath day is a spiritual discipline. But one of the main two spiritual disciplines or practices is prayer and the word. And once again, just the word discipline already makes this service a bummer to you. Everybody's like, did he just say discipline? Great. I, my attitude started to improve earlier in the message, and now I just drop back down. But why do we do that? Now, li- listen to me. Listen to me. We don't like the word discipline because I don't like it either because the first thing I think of is a spanking. Discipline. You're getting a butt whooping. That doesn't sound fun. Or then the other way we see the word discipline is doing something I don't want to do for some greater purpose and good. And I'm going to keep having to do something I don't want to do for some greater purpose, but I'm never going to like it. I'm never going to enjoy it. It's always going to be hard and tough, and I'm just going to hate it my whole life, but I got to do it for a greater good. No wonder our attitude stinks then. But if you think of discipline, not just spiritually, but every other part of your life, discipline, every person in your life that is is a success and good at anything is disciplined. I'm not just talking spiritually. I'm talking every area of your life. I'm talking about athletes and business people, whoever you're thinking of. If they're successful and great at something, they are a disciplined person. Same way spiritually, anybody who's successfully spiritually, it's not that they're just anointed and they're just winging it. They have some disciplines in their life that makes them a success. So think of discipline in the right context, in the right idea. Another word for discipline is practice. Why do we practice? We practice to be great at something. So we do something over and over and over again. And the more you do it, the better you get the same way when you pray and you read your Bible. It's a discipline. It's a practice. And I'm practicing not because I have to, but because I want to. And the more I practice that prayer, the better I get at prayer, the better my relationship gets with God. The more I practice reading and studying my Bible, the better it gets. And it's for a greater purpose and a greater good. And that purpose is to grow in my relationship with God. So discipline and practice is a good thing. And if we want to be great at anything, not just spiritually, I am talking about spiritual things, but any person that's a success is a disciplined, practiced person. You guys still follow me today? So that's why we need discipline. Why do athletes do the same thing day after day after day after day to win championships? And you know what? When they win championships, they're not thinking about discipline. They're not thinking about all the practices they had to go through. All they're thinking about is the reward they received. It's the same thing spiritually. When you your relationship gets better with God and you grow in your relationship with God through prayer and the word, when you get better and you receive that reward of a greater relationship, you're not going to be thinking about, well, I spent a lot of time reading to get here. I spent a a lot of time praying and disciplining myself to get here. No, because you're just going to be so excited that your relationship with God is better and that you've grown in your relationship with God. The reward is greater than the discipline or the practice to get there. Hopefully, you're already seeing this a little bit better so far. So, we have these spiritual disciplines in our life, and we're going to talk about prayer in the Word. So, let's put this up here again Acts 6 and verse 4. Thank you. It says, But we will continually give ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. We will give ourselves. We will give ourselves. Notice what it doesn't say here. I felt like praying and worshiping and reading my Bible, therefore I did it. (laughs) It didn't say I had goosebumps and so I went into the prayer closet because the angels of God blew the trumpet and I went and received all that God had for me. No, it didn't say that. It said, but we will give ourselves. To prayer and to the ministry of the word. Now, why are we giving ourselves to it? Because that's where the life is. That's where the power is. That's where the blessing is. And what if I do? If I discipline and practice myself in it, the reward is going to be greater than any discipline I go through. And these are things that bring life to you. But notice it says, we will give ourselves. We will give ourselves. So I don't have point one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I don't have any of that. I'm just talking out of my heart today. But that's where you got to start. Before we talk about prayer and the word separately, because we are going to talk about prayer first, then the word. Before we go there, I just want to say, if you want to get a part of this well or these wells that I'm talking about today, prayer and the word, you're going to have to give yourself to it. You are going to have to give yourself to it. Notice it says we will give ourselves continually. What's continually? Ongoing, day after day after day after day. Kind of like if you want to lose weight. You can't just eat right one day, cheeseburger next day, cheeseburger next day, pizza one day, tacos. Thank the Lord, Taco Tuesday. No, you can't do that, can you? You're going to see no results. Man, I'm thinking about lunch now. Okay, get back on track here. But what does it say? Continually, day after day after day, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. We will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. So if you want to be a part of these wells of prayer and the Word, you want to get better at praying, you want to get better at reading your Bible, you are going to have to give yourself to them, and that's the foundation that I want all of you to start with today. You, Point at yourself. Say me. me. I, I am going to have to, to, have to give, myself give myself to the word, the word in prayer. Yeah, you. We will give ourselves continually to word and to the prayer. We will give ourselves. So I was thinking about this, and this goes for any discipline in our life, but especially spiritual disciplines. This is how it starts out. So could we get that slide about, there we go. It starts off as duty. How many of you that doesn't sound fun? Duty is you got to do it. You have to do it. You don't really want to do it. This is where most believers live their entire life. Duty. This is where they live their whole entire life. I got to go to church. I got to read my Bible. I got to pray. I got to worship. I got to serve a ministry of helps. I got to tithe. You're living at a babyhood state your whole life when there's so much more. But most believers just live in duty. I got to. I have to. Somebody's going to be mad at me if I don't. Somebody's going to call me if I don't. I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. That's a horrible way to live. And the good news is you don't have to live that way. That's your own choice. So what happens? We got to go from duty to discipline. Discipline is the next thing which most believers never get to. Discipline says, I'm going to start doing these things before I feel these things. Kind of like every other good habit in your life. You have to start doing some things before you feel like doing those things. You have to start eating right before you feel like eating right, or you'll never eat right. You have to start exercising before you feel like exercising before you'll ever exercise. Same with spiritual disciplines. You've got to start coming to church before you feel like coming to church. it's a discipline. You have to start praying before you feel like praying. It's a discipline. You have to start worshiping. Hello, you really need this. Before you feel like it, it's a discipline. You have to start reading and praying and spending time with God before you feel like it. It's a discipline. Now, I'm not going to just leave you there because some of you are like, okay, that doesn't sound too much fun still. But there's something that happens when we Discipline or practice the right things in our life. Gloria Copeland said this, and can we put up this quote? Whatever we give ourselves to, our desires will follow. So that's what discipline does. You are giving yourself to something, and the more you give yourself to it, your desires or your feelings and emotions will follow. But you have to give yourself to it first. Come on, am I making sense this morning? So whatever we give ourselves to, our desires will follow. So then your prayer life and your worship life and your time with God and your word time and every part of your spiritual life goes from discipline to desire. So now I come to church because I want to. And I pray because I want to. And I serve because I want to. And I give because I want to. And I read the word because I want to. Not because I have to, but because I want to. But that only will happen if you give yourself to it. Then your desires will follow. You guys receiving what I'm saying this morning? Whatever you give yourself to, that's discipline. Our desires will follow. And then ultimately it turns into delight. And now you're just overjoyed with it. You don't just wanna do it, you are pumped all week about it. You're like, time with God is my favorite part of the day. Praying is the best part of my life. Getting time in God's Word is the highlight of my week. Being in the house of God is what I look forward to the most. Being with fellow believers, going to my life group, getting to serve back in the kids' classrooms, that's a delight now, not a duty not a discipline, and even more than a desire. Now, I'm delighting in it, and it's bringing me great joy. But notice, most people, believers included, live their life with duty. Not just about spiritual things, everything. Their job, their family, their health, their spiritual life. They live in duty their whole life not understanding that they have to take responsibility for their own life to change and that their life could be so much better if they would wake up and take responsibility over their own life and stop waiting on feelings and emotions and everything else to tell you how to live your life when another way to live in a greater way to live is possible if you would just give yourself to something greater than yourself. That's why these early disciples said, We will give ourselves, notice continually. You could say daily, continually to the word in prayer. We will give ourselves to it. And the more we give ourselves to it, the more we desire it. You know, that goes for the good and the bad. It's just easier to get into the bad stuff. Majority of people, the first time they smoked a cigarette, they hated it. Threw up. Was sick. They didn't have any feelings and emotions that were good or positive. But what happened? They did it again and again and again. Whatever you give yourself to, your desires will follow. And then they wanted it. And then they delighted in it, even though it's killing them. Same, thing, same way with alcohol. I'm not judging anybody here. Most people could not stay in the, the taste of alcohol when they first tasted it. But what happened? They gave themselves to it. And when you give yourself to it, your desires will follow. And then you started delighting in it, and I need it to live my life now. So this goes for the good and the bad of our life. The positive or the negative, but today I'm specifically talking about prayer and the word, spiritual disciplines. These are wells of power in life we should never neglect. You guys follow me today so far? So it goes from duty to discipline. And notice when we discipline ourselves, we give ourselves to it completely. When you do that for a period of time, now I can't tell you the time frame. It's different for different people. Our desires will follow, and then we'll get into this place of delight that you're overjoyed and you want to do it. and You can't, can't wait to do it. You can't wait to spend time in prayer. You can't wait to spend time with God and worship and, and get in the Word of God. And You can't wait to study stuff that other people are like, man, I don't even know if that makes sense. And you're like, oh, I love it. But you have to give yourself to it. You guys hear what I'm saying this morning? You got to give yourself to it. So, I want to talk about prayer first. I want to talk about prayer. And I just want to be very simple today about these subjects. So I just want to give you a good place to start. So, Matthew 6 and verse 4, I talk about prayer first, then the word. They're both so important to your life, spiritual disciplines we need. Matthew 6 and verse 5, now, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples about prayer. He says, when you pray, notice that when you pray, assuming (laughs) that's a part of your life. He was not like, if you guys want to pray, he said, when you pray, because duh, you're going to be praying. Of course you're a disciple. So you're disciplined when you pray. Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly and on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. But I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. Verse 7, notice again, when you pray... Don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think that their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. In verse 8, and don't be like them. For your father, this should comfort you guys this morning. For your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. Your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. So I'm talking about prayer this morning first as a spiritual discipline, then the word. So I just want to give you something very simple, very basic. We're not going to go into all the, hey, this is the 10 different types of prayer. And this is, you know, this is what it says in the Greek and Hebrew. We're not doing all that today. I just want you to talk to God for starters. I'm not trying to shoot low this morning, but let's just start there. I just want most of you. Because I know there is some people that in here that are prayer warriors that know what they're doing and they know all the types of prayer and we appreciate you. You're holding this thing together. But most of you aren't there. No offense to you. I don't even feel like I am sometimes. I just want you to talk to God for starters. You know, A. E. W. Tozer said this, great man of God, he said, the key to prayer is simply praying. It's deep, I know. The key to prayer is simply praying. That means you just got to start somewhere. And the easiest way to give you a definition of prayer for you guys in here, whether you feel like you're very spiritual or you're not spiritual at all, prayer is just talking to God. Prayer is just talking to God. It's you talking to Him and Him talking to you. Prayer is a conversation. Prayer is you talking to God. And so I'm not going to get into all the types. Like I said, I just want all of us in here to start there, to start at giving ourselves to the word and prayer. And the way you start pertaining to prayer is just talk to God and talk to him all the time. Trust me, he loves to hear your voice more than anybody else. And let God talk to you, but you got to talk To God, and the better you talk to Him, the better your relationship will get. How many know every relationship is like that? If you don't talk to somebody, your relationship is not going to be good. But the more you talk to them, the more you have a conversation with them, your relationship grows. It's the same way with God God wants to talk to you, and you need to talk to Him. Trust me, He loves to hear your voice. He wants to talk to you more than anybody else in your life. The key to prayer is simply praying. Because something I've found out in my personal life is you could give me the ten different types of prayer in the Greek and the Hebrew and bring all these study Bibles and books and if you don't actually do anything, it doesn't matter. Because there's people that nod their head during service and take notes about all those 10 different types of prayers in Greek and Hebrews, and then they don't pray when they leave. So I'm not trying to get you into all that stuff today. I'm just trying to get you to start where you are. The key to prayer is simply praying. Just start talking to God. Have a conversation with God. God wants to hear your voice. You want to be good at prayer? All you are good at talking. Talk to him. And then let him talk to you. So we got to pray. Prayer is just talking to God and letting him talk to you. That's where I want us to start as a church. But we have to give ourselves to that. Notice what Jesus said. We're not going to read it again, but in Matthew 6, we just read this passage. He says that when you pray... Real simple, I want you to get away from everybody else. I want you to get in a quiet place. Is there such a thing in 2020? Some of you haven't heard a quiet place in 20 years, 30 years. We're all guilty of that. No condemnation. Why? Because we have technology with us at all times. The TV's on, the radio's on, the, the podcast is on, Netflix is on, our phone's on, our kids are talking, our wife, our husband is talking, all sorts of things are going on. We're at work, it's busy, it's loud. Every place we go is noisy and chaos and busyness and confusion. And so Jesus says, if you want to have a good prayer life, when you pray, you need to go somewhere and get quiet. Some passage says, shut the door if you need to. Maybe put some foam under the door so your kids' hands can't reach under there. (laughs) Nope, not today. Me and Jesus time. You have to fend for yourself. Pray that it all works out. (laughs) You got to go away to a quiet place. Because you can't hear God's voice if a hundred other voices are speaking to you all the time. I don't know if anybody wants to be honest today, but one of the main reasons we don't hear God's voice is we always have noise in our life. We always have noise in our life. We always have busyness in our life. Well, you can't hear them if there's stuff blaring in your house all the time. In the same way, if you got the TV blaring and your family's in the other room and they're trying to talk to you, you can't hear them. And we have that all the time, not just in our physical ears, but even in our soul and our spiritual ears. There's noise constantly. And we got to shut off the noise. We got to shut off. The, the nonsense. We got to shut off the technology. We got to shut off the voices from the enemy and from the world and from everything else. We got to shut it off and turn it down and get to a quiet place and get to a secluded place, shut the door, drive away, go for a hike, whatever it takes. And when you get there, talk to God and let him talk to you. That's The key to simply praying. Start there. Can I give you a challenge, church family? Start there. That's where most of you need to start. Most of you don't need to know about supplication, intercession, and all the rest of the prayers. You just need to talk to God because you can't even spell those words anyways. (laughs) Talk to God. Let's start there. Talk to God and let him talk to you. Get to a quiet place and pray. Knowing that whatever you're about to ask, God already knows. And he already wants to answer you. And he's waiting to hear from you as his child and loves to hear from you. But you have to talk to him and let him talk to you. You guys getting something this morning? You know, I'm going to say this about myself, and I'm not putting myself down. Don't be like, Pastor, don't say this bad confession over yourself. But out of the two, prayer and the word, I feel like I'm great at reading and studying my Bible. I feel like I'm really good at it. That's not a humble brag. I do. I, I'm confident in that. But I don't feel like I'm good at praying. You guys are like, oh, man. <laughs> and you're the pastor? <laughs> Somebody lets you in charge of this church, and you don't even know how to pray? Yeah. Yeah. They did. No, I'm just saying, compared to the two, I feel confident in reading and studying the Bible but I don't feel as confident in my prayer life. I'm not beating myself up. I'm just saying I don't feel like I'm as good if we're going to put the two together. I don't feel like I'm as good praying than I am reading and studying. And I know I'm just going to be honest here. I'm not going to say I'm hyper because I haven't taken any medication for it or anything, but I have a hard time sitting still. Sometimes. My mind's going quite a bit all the time. Even if I'm sitting still, my mind's still going quite quite a bit faster than I am. So I feel like with prayer, because of this quiet, secluded place stuff, when you get in a room by yourself, sit down, it just, a lot of times, I'm not as good as at that. And I don't know if some of you can relate to me or not. I feel like I'm great at reading and studying, but prayer, I'm like, I know how to talk to God, but I don't feel like I'm that good at it compared to other people. I'm like, some people are just like on their knees for like four hours, like praying in the spirit. I'm like, how do you do that? How do you hold that position? How do you not go get something to eat? I don't know how you do any of that. How do you just sit in a chair and just pray in tongues for hours on end, like without moving? I don't know how you do that. So I'm just saying, me personally, because I've wanted to get better at praying. I better, right, church? <laughs> Pastor, you better hear from God here. <laughs> Dr. Jenkins is on the road now. You better do something. I'm trying. I'm trying. Listen, if, if if it falls through the cracks, Ms. Donna will pick it up. Somebody will listen, okay? Brother Les, I'll call him. I'm like, Brother Les, did you pick anything up? Because I'm not hearing anything from God. So it'll work out. We'll be okay. But this is what I figured out with my prayer life. This is just me personally, and and don't say, Pastor, you're turning into a new age hippie. I'm not. I'm okay, but this is something that I've been practicing and trying. It's because I do like to exercise, and I do like to go take walks and hikes. I realize what's better for me when I try to pray in that office right there. I stink. I'm not good at it. I don't know why. I just, I get distracted, and I feel like you know, it's just too much. So I figured out for me personally, I need to walk and pray. That helps me. So I've tried this a lot recently, especially the last six or seven months. When I go take hikes, and I'm not going to tell you where because you're going to be following me. <laughs> but it's, it's near here. Some of you know where I go hike all the time. When I go take hikes, this is what I decided to do. Instead of putting my headphones in like I always do, I don't take them with me. And when I take hikes, first of all, it's just good to get your body moving, get get some fresh air. But I realize when I walk and I pray, I'm way more engaged and I'm way more focused than I am when I just try to sit in a chair and pray. Now, I just wanted to share that with you because some of you put God in such a box or prayer in the word time in such a box, you feel like if I don't do it this way, I'm not doing it right. Who said? Do you. We are all different people made up differently. If you're praying and you're really talking to God, wherever it is and however you're doing it, if it's working, keep doing it. If you read your Bible and it's in a little different way or unique way, keep doing it because if it's working, it's working. We're all different. We all cannot do the same exact thing and expect the same results. We can't. So I'm just saying for me personally, your pastor, I've realized for myself if I want to pray, the best places for me to pray is in my truck driving because I do like taking drives. So does Dad. But also I realize when I go hike, I'm not bringing my AirPods. I'm not bringing my cell phone. I'm going to talk to God, and I feel like I get so much more accomplished because I'm focused when I'm walking. That's just me. Don't say, Pastor, you're getting into all awesome. No, it's just me. And when I'm hiking and walking like that, I feel like my prayer life is a lot more focused, and I'm thinking the right things. Instead of just sitting in a chair in my mind going. (laughs) Anybody there with me? So this is just your pastor talking freely. Hopefully you don't think less of me. But I want to get better at praying. And hopefully you guys do too. But the key to prayer is simply praying. And you have to figure out what works for you. But the main thing is get quiet and get away. And talk to God. So. Let's go a little bit further. Let's talk about the word for a little bit today. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 14. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 14, it says, But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught, that you know that they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. And you have been taught the Holy Scriptures from your childhood, and they have been given you wisdom to receive salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. Key verse. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So we're going to kind of switch gears and we're going to talk about the Bible or the Word of God for a second. Really, the Bible means book. It's not some special meaning to it. The word Bible in the original just means book. But we realize the Bible is made up of actually 66 books split into the Old Testament and the New Testament, written by 40 different authors in three different languages over a couple thousand years. So it's a pretty big, expansive book written by 40 different authors from three different continents in three different languages. But we see that the Bible is God's Word. This passage we just read in 2 Timothy 3 in verse 16 it says that the word of God is inspired or it means it's God-breathed. That every word in the Bible is God-breathed or God-spoken out. We see that if you study your Bible, the word Bible does not show up. It doesn't say Holy Bible. But it does talk about the scriptures and it uses the word scriptures or instruction or law. But more than any other Word used for the Bible or the scriptures is the Word of God. You'll see that more times than any other thing to describe the scriptures or the Bible is the Word of God. So when we pick this up and we say, This is the Word of God, and I'm preaching for the Word of God, this is not just a preacher making this up. The Bible says that about itself, that this is the Word of God, these are the words of God. And it says that time and time again in your Bible, this is the Word of God. And the Bible is God speaking to us and for us. The Bible is not just a book once spoken, but a book which is now speaking. Because the Bible is an eternal book inspired by the Holy Spirit, written by 40 different men to pin what was pinned in the Bible. And it's a book that's now speaking because it's alive because of the Holy Spirit of God that breathed it into existence. It says in Peter that the Holy Spirit breathed into these authors of the Bible and carried them and led them to write what they wrote in this book, every single book that was recorded in the Bible, all 66, that the Holy Spirit is the one who inspired these men. God breathed. These words are God-breathed, they're eternal, and that's why they're still speaking to us today. You're thinking, how can this ancient book pertain to my life? How can it still be relevant today? It's because it's eternal. It's God-breathed. It's always speaking. And I don't know about you, even the people in here that act like they can't hear from God, I know that there's at least been one verse that's spoken to you. How can that happen? Even the most spiritually dull among us has read a Bible verse or heard a Bible verse and something has come alive in them. What is that? That is God-breathed, God-inspired, Holy Spirit, the eternal living Word of God working in your life. And even the spiritually dull can see it because it's alive and it's full of power. That's what the book of Hebrews says. It's not just a dead, dry book like every other religious book. It's alive and full of power and able to change us from the inside out. That's what the Bible is. It's God's Word, and it's God speaking to us. Notice it's not something that was once spoken. It's a book now speaking. And if you ever read your Bible and really listen... You see, the same problems they had are the same problems we have. We act like we're so far advanced and we don't have the same issues. We have the same exact issues. These are people that lived thousands of years ago with no technology in the desert, in an agricultural environment, in the east. And we live in the west. So far removed from each other, but people are people. And issues are issues. And sin is sin. And Jesus still saves. And he still heals and he still delivers. And we still need him. It doesn't change. It's not once spoken. It's now speaking. The question is, are you listening? Because God's trying to talk to us all the time. You know, most of us will never hear The audible voice of God. And you don't need to. It doesn't require faith if you heard the audible voice of God. But I tell you what, you want to hear God speak? Read the Bible out loud to yourself. Real easy way. I don't hear God speak. Read the Bible out loud to yourself. There you go. Hear God speak to you. Because this is God speaking to you. And you know what? There's even times in prayer. I'm going to go a little bit further. There's times in prayer that you don't feel like you can hear God at all. You feel like I'm just talking. Hello? I got bad service. I must have cricket wireless or something up here. It only works in Louisville and a couple counties in Florida. But there are times that Even in your prayer life, you're talking to God, which you need to, and you feel like, I'm not hearing anything. But even in those times, we have a way to hear God, the Word of God. We're never without answers. We're never without hope. We're never without a confidence knowing we can hear the Word of God, even though we might not always hear Him with our physical ears or even in our spirit man. We can hear Him through His Word because it's now speaking. Come on, is anybody getting something this morning? This Bible is now speaking. It's more relevant today than it's ever been. And it's a well of life if we would just get in it. It's supernatural, it's divine, it's eternal. It's the Word of God. And notice we got to give ourselves to it just like we have to give ourselves to prayer. It's a decision, it's a choice. And when we give ourselves to it, just like we give ourselves to prayer, our desires will follow and then it will turn into delight. But the word of God is powerful. And it's a book that's now speaking. Let's look at a few mo- more verses that I was thinking about today. Let's read it in 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17 in the Passion, because I love the way it says this. Every scripture has been inspired by the Holy Spirit, the breath of God. Notice, it will empower you by its instruction and correction, giving you the strength to take the right direction and lead you deeper into the path of godliness. Verse 17, then you will be God's servant, fully mature, perfectly prepared to fulfill any assignment God gives you. That's talking about the Bible. Let's look at Psalm 1. In verse 1, speaking about the word, it says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. But notice, but they delight. You guys remember that word? But they delight in the law of the Lord or the word of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Notice what happens when you do that. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season, their leaves will never wither, and they will prosper in all they do. That's a promise for those of us who get into the Word of God and make it a part of our life day and night and meditate on it. Let's look at Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8 says, Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then when you, you succeed. And prosper in all you do. Speaking about the word of God. It says study this book of instruction. And you will prosper and succeed in everything you do. Come on, are you receiving that today? That's what the word of God does in your life. When you study it. When you meditate on it. Notice it says it gives you wisdom. That's beyond your natural worldly understanding in mind. It gives you godly wisdom to make the right decisions. It gives you godly wisdom for correction. It gives you godly wisdom to make the right step and do the right thing. It gives you godly wisdom to walk in the plan of God. Notice, but when we meditate on it and think about it and study it, it says we are going to be like a tree planted by the rivers. I'm preaching better than you're responding. Planted by the rivers of water that brings forth fruit each season and will prosper in everything you do. And Joshua just says, when you meditate on this word, you will succeed and prosper in everything you do. We all want that. How do you get it? Self-help? I need to put in more overtime. That's how I prosper and succeed. Nope. I got to get my kid in the best college. Nope. We all want prosperity and success. God says, meditate on this day and night. Study this. Read this. Give yourself to it. And the more you give yourself to it, you will prosper and succeed and have wisdom in everything you do. Come on, are you receiving this today? Because God's Word's alive. God's Word is alive and full of power. It's God-breathed. Can you see that today? That's what everybody wants. But everybody's going about it the wrong way. <laughs> and notice when it says prosper and succeed, it's not just talking about money. That's just one part of it. It's talking about your health. It's talking about your finances. It's talking about your relationships. It's talking about your family. It's talking about your career. It's talking about your future. When we meditate, study, read, give ourselves to the word of God. Just like we give ourselves to prayer, because that's a well of power in life. We give ourselves to the word, because there's power in life in this, to help us prosper and succeed in everything we do. It's powerful. Now, I'm going to be closing soon. You can laugh on that. I'm just joking. No, I really am. I'm gonna try to. Try to. But thinking about the Word of God, just like we were talking about prayer, most people don't do it because they don't know what they're doing. They don't understand the Bible. And I have something, and we're gonna hand this out in a moment something that Brother Sean and I made earlier this week on how to read and study your Bible for everybody in here. little handout for you. It's also going to be online, so you can get on the website and look at it. And I tried to make this as simple as possible. Now, once again, I don't fault you because most of you read the Bible, and you're like, yeah, I don't get it. There's reasons you don't get it, and if no one ever explains to you why you're not getting it, you're never going to get the fullness of the Bible. Now, I'm going to give you an example before we talk about this. So, believing that the Bible is fully inspired and God-breathed. Growing up in church, you know, I read the Bible just like a lot of you, and there's parts of it that you understand that are pretty easy, like Jesus, sayings, like John 3.16, Ephesians 3.20, God can do exceedingly abundantly. I can do all things through Christ. Understand that one. But most Christians stay there their whole life. Refrigerator scriptures, as we refer to around here. Most Christians stay there with just those couple verses and never go beyond that when there's so much more. Now, now, really listen to what I'm saying, because I want to help you know how to read and study your Bible, because I, I get it. I know why a lot of you don't give yourself to it. But you have to realize that the Bible is eternal, it's divine, it's inspired. And there is so much more than you ever realized in this book. But the only way you get there is if you study and meditate on it. Most people are just satisfied with just reading it, which that's good. Start there. If you read one verse a day, start there. I would love it if you did that. But I know when I was reading my Bible, even as a young man, I felt like, is that it? Is that it? Because, like, there's some good verses, but then there's a lot of them, like, no idea. Like, I'm in Leviticus talking about scabs and (laughs) costumes and altars and men don't shave your beard and stuff like that. I'm like, hey, but I need my beard. I I like my jawline with my beard. So why can't I shave my beard? I'm in Leviticus thinking, what the heck? How is this inspired? How is this God's word? I don't get it. How is this helping my life? But I heard, no, every part of the Bible is inspired. You'll get something out of it. And I was trying to think about this. Maybe you've thought this before. Is that it? I want to encourage you there's so much more. And I'll tell you, the first time I really found this out, and I know we're going on 59 minutes, we're about to wrap up here. You guys still want to hear the end of this? So, the first time I fully realized this was in a Portland Bible College class. And I was listening to this professor talk about how to study and research your Bible, and I thought I knew pretty much what he was going to say. And I was thinking like, He brought up like a parable I've heard my entire life, like the prodigal son. I was like, yeah, prodigal son, that's pretty straightforward. But this professor, because he had studied his Bible, and he knew where to find all this information, he told me the prodigal son story in a way I had never heard it before. Because he talked about the context of the prodigal son Son, in the culture, in the original languages. And the prodigal son, when he did this, this means this. And when he went to this town, it's symbolic for this. And when he he put on the robe, it stood for this. And when he put on the ring, it stood for this. And when he killed the fatted calf, this is what it meant. And I was thinking, I have never heard this stuff a day in my life. The prodigal story was good, even without all that. But once you knew all that, you're like, oh, my gosh, this is inspired. (laughs) And I want to challenge you with this because that was the first time that I ever was like, oh, my goodness. I realized there's so much more. And this is the example I had. I was playing in the kiddie pool. And that's what most of you are doing with your Bible reading. You're still at John 3.16. You're still at Jeremiah 29.11. No offense to those verses. You're still in, I can do all things to Christ. Great verses. Put it on your refrigerator. Confess it. But there's so much more. And you're satisfied playing in the kiddie pool. And your goal is to get wet, which is good. And you'll get wet in a kiddie pool. But you're satisfied in the kiddie pool when there's an ocean of revelation and wisdom. And you don't know how to get there. And that day right there, I realized, I'm in the kiddie pool over here. And if I actually did some study and research and really read my Bible and got into it, like I could get into other things that I'm interested in. I don't know how to study. Oh, but you know all the stats of your favorite team from last year. But you don't know how to study? Okay. And there's an ocean of revelation and wisdom. And I'm okay with just getting wet in the kiddie pool. And I want to challenge you, church, most of you are in a kiddie pool and you're satisfied with it and you say, is that that's all there is with the Bible? That's it? No, there's so much more and you don't even know. There's so much more and you don't even know. There is an ocean of wisdom and revelation and knowledge in the Bible. But to get from the kiddie pool to the ocean, you're going to have to study and meditate and read and pursue it. Come on, am I throwing this over your head? Are you guys okay? I really want to challenge you today. I know this is not you're getting a new Bentley service, but you need to receive this. Because really, once you start understanding it, you're going to feel like you want a new Bentley. When I started realizing there was way much more in the Bible than I ever knew before, it'll make you want to take a lap. It'll make you want to get into the Bible. And I'm telling you, there's so much more, church. I know I'm repeating myself, but I want you to get it. I want you to shake yourself. I'm not trying to raise up a bunch of superficial believers with refrigerator scriptures, and that's all you know. Yes, yes. Come on. Thank you. Stop playing in the kiddie pool. There's so much more. There's an ocean, and we're satisfied with the kiddie pool. But to get from here to here, it's going to take you giving yourself to it, to read it, to meditate, to study it, to think about it, to listen to people that know more than you do and realize there's an ocean. is another way I I thought about it is thinking about if you went to a place on the earth where there was diamonds or, or, or gems in the ground, if you went to a place that was known for that, you know what, you could get some stuff off the top. You could. You could probably find something here or there. That's where a lot of us are like with our Bible reading. If you just read it, you'll get some stuff off the top. You'll find a few diamonds and gems in there. But the good stuff and the big stuff, you're going to have to dig for. You're going to have to dig for And sometimes other people can dig for you and help you, but sometimes you're going to have to dig for it yourself. And the more you dig, that's where the big gems are. That's where the big diamonds are. But notice it's going to have to take your effort. We will give ourselves to the word of prayer and start digging. And the more you start digging, you realize that's where the diamonds are. That's where the gems are. So stop being satisfied with just getting stuff off the top. I know I'm going a little bit longer today, but I really want you to get this. So we will give ourselves to the word in prayer. And I want to tell you, there's so much more in your Bible than you ever kn- knew. There's so much more. Stop being satisfied with shallow Bible reading and Christianity. There's so much more. And you've been taught well in this church for 35 years, but I'm even saying there's so much more. And you don't go to a play with the church, but there's so much more.